哥林多汉后书第五章呃第十六集和第十十七集，所以我们从今以后不凭着外貌认人了。虽然凭着外貌认过基督，如今却不再这样认他了。若有人在基督里，他就是新造的人，就是已过都变成新的了。Second Corinthians five six chapter five sixteen and seventeen. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do no we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone; the new is here. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thanks to be God. Oh, you may be seated. Thank you, guys. So much power. <laughs> Thank you. Real quick, we have a couple announcements. Uh, there's some baked goods. In addition to the free ones, the youth have made some to raise funds for the youth for some mission trips, and they're also selling some wallets. And we also have a slightly expensive but definitely worth it car wash right down here. They're doing it right now. And if you want to get your car washed real quickly at the end of the service, they might be able to for a little bit longer. Just pull your car around past that little wall there, and they can wash it for you. At this time, we'd like to dismiss the Capitol kids, but the youth have to stay up here because this is Youth Sunday. So kids, get out of here. Good morning. I'm so happy to be here with you guys today. I'm so excited we got to witness these baptisms in the staff meeting when we found out that our Youth Sunday, talking about change in our lives, and Baptism Sunday, we're going to be on the same day. I felt like that was divine timing because those two things are directly related. Today is an extra special day because you guys don't just have to hear from me. Thanks to our brave and courageous youth, two of them are going to be sharing with you guys about change that's happening. In their lives, so that's an honor and a privilege. We get to hear directly from them. Spring camp happened just about a month ago, a little over a month ago. For a lot of the youth that went, it was a big catalyst for change. So I want to show you guys a video, give you a little taste of what that experience was like for those of us that went. So that's a little bit of what happened at camp. Those were ramen noodles that you saw them crawling through. It was pretty fun.、Um, let's welcome Noah Paley to come on up and share with us. Noah Paley, come on up. Hey everyone, my name is Noah Paley. I'm here to tell you about how the end of camp changed me and how I thought it changed those around me. Raise your hand if you had your kids coming home and telling you about this crazy ending at camp. Man, we have a very small crowd. <laughs> okay, if you didn't, then I'm here to summarize to. I'm here to summarize it for you. It began at open mic. Open mic is where the youth are given the mic so they can talk about it, how camp went for them. I was the first to go up and talk on the mic. I talked about how great camp was. I shared that it was a great way for teens to reconnect to God, and that I couldn't wait for it for next year. Then about three or four more people went up and shared very similar thoughts. Then we had three others talk about their serious struggles with depression and how it had affected them. I was changed because of how it was affecting them, and for how long it had been affecting them. During those confessions, I was influenced by the Holy Spirit. 
One, I thought before this that I was going through some serious problems. But in that moment, I found out that mine were dwarfed by these confessions. And two, the Holy Spirit was urging me to do whatever I could for these people. And then Kalia went up and talked about depression for a little bit and then asked those dealing with it to stand up. As I sat there, I looked around and saw some of my good friends standing up. Then she asked those sitting down to please stand up and place their hands on those dealing with depression while she prayed for them. So I stood up and placed both of my hands on two of my friends dealing with depression. Then the floodgates opened and we all cried for them while she was praying and I was comforting them during it by saying, we've got you and it's going to be okay. After she prayed, I asked for the mic and I said a few words and then prayed for everyone. Once a few more shared, we had to go. We had to miss the group picture, but it was worth it for that moment. I learned I was changed in so many ways in a single day. One of those changes that happened was that I was made new in my faith. I could feel like that I could impact others for God, that I, that I could do the impossible because of the Holy Spirit in me. It reminded me of a scene in a movie called How to Train Your Dragon, which I would have pulled up a video for it, but we didn't have time. But it's where a Viking chieftain named Stoic the Vast is having a conversation with another Viking named Gaber, in which where Stoic is telling Gaber about how his father taught him what it meant to be a Viking. And I will be acting as Stoic the Vast, and I will be having David be my Gaber. All right, do you... Technical difficulties. When I was a boy, Here we go again. my father told me to bang my head on a rock. I thought I was crazy, but I did it. And you know what happened to that rock? You got a headache? That rock split in two. It taught me what a Viking could do. It taught me, as a boy, it taught me, sorry, it taught, as a as a boy, he taught me what a Viking could do. That he could level mountains, clear forests, tame seas. As a boy, I knew what I was and what I would become. Everyone, please thank David for helping me with this skit. I feel like I could do these acts in that moment and afterwards. And I wasn't the only one. I was... Sorry. Another way, I was ch another way I changed was the way I cared for others. I felt like I was called to care for those in pain and suffering. <clears throat> and to lavish love on those that don't feel like they're loved, but in reality, they are loved by God. And his love never falters and can never fade away. I was changed in so many ways because of that camp. And so were others around me. They learned that God truly loves them and that they are priceless. They learned that they can always be made new in their faith more than once, that they can do the impossible. But most of, all that they, most of all, they learned that they can do the impossible because of God, that they can move mountains, tame seas, heal the broken, love the unloved, be what God created them to be. God taught me that change will always happen, whether it's in others or in you or in your environment. It could be whatever. There's always a reason for change to happen. And so far, change has led me to here and now. And here and now is pretty good. Thank you for letting me share. I would like to hand it over to Samuel now.
Um, so for those of you who don't know me, I'm Sam, I'm 16, I'm a Malaysian, and I go to Dulwich College Beijing, and I've been going there for the past 10 years. And for me, being in that environment, being in a city like Beijing, being an international school environment, a lot of change tends to happen in the community. You know, there's always people coming and going all the time. But for me personally, I never really experience that much change. Um, the most major changes in my life were my sister graduating and my best friend leaving when I was 10. But out of all the 10 years I was here, nothing really, nothing was super major um, until about this year. So last year, um, one of my really good friends, Alenya, she, we found, me and my friends found out that she was leaving and this was a huge change because she was a good Christian friend and she was the glue that sort of held all of our friends together. So we were preparing ourselves, we were cherishing our last moments together and just hoping that the next year would be fine without, without her and without a Christian friend. Then out of the blue, uh, another Christian friend, Karina, she her dad lost her job and she only found out about this about three weeks before school was about to start. And she was going to move back to America and that was it. And school starts and it, school was, and just, and fall camp was coming around. And when it came around, I found out that all of my friends were, had things going on at that time and they couldn't come with me to fall camp. And that was really difficult for me because it was the first camp where I didn't really know anyone. And I just thought to myself, two months since school started and being a Christian was the hardest thing in the world. You know, it felt like there were no other Christians around. And it was, and being, being surrounded by your non-Christian friends, being bombarded by exams all the time, being just trying to be a good Christian influence in your community is already hard enough. And just losing all of your Christian friends to support you just made it even harder. And in addition to that, I found out that I would be leaving and that I was going to go to boarding school in the UK, which was a completely new environment for me. And when I went to visit the, all three schools, I felt like I didn't fit in. I just felt out of place, like I didn't belong there. And by the end of the year, my life just felt all over the place, you know? Um, my parents thought that going to boarding school was a really good idea, and, but I didn't feel that in my heart. This was a huge change in my life. And as for my friends, I just felt like I was abandoning them with me leaving. and. Also, and, you know, apart from all of the school work and things like that, it was just so hard to stay faithful to God. And I just thought that I was going through this alone because this was huge changes that were going on in my life. And I just coped, and I just thought I could cope with all the burden if I carried it myself and that maybe I didn't really need God. And that was me for quite a long time 
And then I just thought to myself, how can I be a, how can I enjoy my last year at Dulwich with all these changes going on? How am I supposed to be in a school for two years that I probably didn't even like? How was I supposed to be a good Christian influence in a place that, in a completely new environment when I couldn't even be a good one in this one? And it just felt like the world around me was just crumbling apart. And because there was so much change going on. And then at around Chinese New Year, I, my parents and I discussed with my boarding school mentor about boarding schools. And we decided on a school that accepted me about uh, with one week's notice with no interview. It was also half an hour's right away from my sister. And most of the boarders were international, so I wouldn't feel so out of place. And that sort of kind of made me realize how God has always and kept being faithful to me, even though I wasn't being faithful to him. And that he continues to be merciful and gracious to me, even when I feel like he wasn't there. And so I'm going to confidently say that next year, I am going to go to Dulwich College London for my last two years of high school. And, as, and I'm nervous, but anticipating for what God has planned for me. And as for my friends, I know that's been very difficult for them to, to cope with this and for us to go through this change. But, you know, we've enjoyed these last few months together, and our last camp together was great. We laughed, we talked a lot, we cried a lot, um, we, and just had so much fun together. And today I talked about change because I think, because I know that Cam's gonna talk about confronting your own feelings and how change hurts. And I think that change, um, confronting your feelings is especially important when you are going through change. You know, life may give you lemons and you make lemonade but we have to trust God to give us the sugar, the water, the ice to make some really good lemonade. <laughs> and I, <laughs> and I know that change is going to happen to all of us and I know that it's going to affect our lives drastically, but I think we have to put our trust in God and hope that he has plans greater than what we think and that he will make things better than we had hoped for. Thank you. I get nervous every time I come up here, so can we give another big hand to Samuel and Noah? Thank you guys for sharing. That was amazing, you guys. Before we continue, I do have a joke for you guys. There was a 70-year-old man who went to his doctor for a routine checkup, and uh, the doctor came back with all the results and said, you're in great health. Everything looks great. How are you doing at home? Spiritually, emotionally. The man said, well, I've got a great relationship with my wife. My relationship with God is really, really good. Uh, when I, he knows I have poor eyesight. When I get up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom, this light comes on. Then when I'm done, this light turns off. The doctor's a little puzzled. The man goes home. The doctor calls the man's wife. Says, uh, is, your, is this true? Is your husband have that strong of a relationship with God? Is God helping him by turning a light on at night? 
His, the, the wife starts laughing. She's like, no, no, he's just started peeing in the refrigerator again. <laughs> so Noah and Samuel both spoke on change. And I want you to keep that in mind as we look at what happens to Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. But you know what? On second thought, let's not read it. Let's watch a drama that the youth have prepared to help us see this story, this example from a different perspective, from a fresh angle. Can you guys come on up? Evans, Noah, and um, Nathan. And we haven't brought chairs up, so you guys just pretend to sit, okay? Nathan, there you go. Evans. Come over on this side. No one in the middle. There you go. Okay. Take it away, boys. Okay. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. I am a wee little man. A wee little man was he. I think I already said this. He climbed up in a sycamore tree. Climb, climb, climb. For the Lord he wanted to see. I want to see the Lord. And as the Savior passed that way, Passing that way. He looked up in the tree and said, What did I say? Zacchaeus, you come down. Get down. For I am going to your house today. I'm going to your place. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Okay, we've already been over this. But a happy man was he. I am happy. For he had seen the Lord that day. I did. And a happy man was he. I feel like this is just being repetitive now. And a very happy man was he. I'm done. This is embarrassing. <laughs> All right, guys, what was that? Was, I thought that was going to be a lot more serious. I feel like you guys didn't even give us all the information. You know, maybe on second thought, it might be best to actually read the passage just so we can hear everything. No offense, you guys. That was really good. We're just going to read what happened here. Luke 19, 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of this, out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Maybe you've heard this before. Maybe this is the very first time you've heard about Zacchaeus. There's uh, different points you can focus on, different applications. What we're going to look at today is the process of change that happens to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector, and he wanted to see Jesus 
out of pure curiosity. The Matthew Henry commentary says it beautifully. Because he would not disappoint his curiosity, Zacchaeus forgot his gravity. Right? He, he gets down and he runs forward, almost like a little kid, up to this tree, climbs up it just to get a view of Jesus. It's almost the opposite type of behavior you'd expect from a chief tax collector, the official over all the other tax collectors in his area. And we know why he did this. The Bible tells us there that he was small and he could not see over the crowd, so he used what he had. What does this show us, you guys? It, it shows us that anybody who genuinely wants to see Jesus, to know Christ, to hear God, is going to use whatever means they can is going to overcome great difficulties, go to great lengths, take great pains to hear, to see, to experience, and know Christ. He forgot his gravity. How many of you guys feel like you have a personal goal in your life to change, improve, or grow how you know Christ? Most of us probably do. Do you want to know how important that goal is to yourself? If you want to know that, all you have to do is ask yourself this question. To what lengths, to what difficulties have I gone to achieve this goal? How far out of your way and what inconvenience to yourself have you tried to know Christ more? That should give you some perspective on your priorities. I want you also to notice how Jesus invites himself into Zacchaeus' home. This isn't just Jesus disregarding what's socially acceptable at the time. It's an example of the way Jesus helps us open our heart to invite him inside. And that's what Zacchaeus does. He invites Jesus into his home and his heart, and it changes Zacchaeus completely from the inside out to the point where Zacchaeus doesn't seem to care about his money, his reputation, his position, or even what people think of him anymore. Let's switch gears for just a moment. I don't know if you've seen the Disney movie Moana about the Hawaiian Disney princess. It's a good movie. I highly recommend it. Um, I think we have a picture. There's a crab here who's in the movie. And this crab sings a song called Shiny. Shiny! And everybody who sees the movie, hands down, agrees this is their favorite song. Right, guys? It's the best song? Most, most people hate this song. <laughs> but the crab in the song sings about how he's shiny. He collects shiny things. He wants to be shiny, and he loves everything that's shiny. As Christians, we too often become more concerned with our outward appearance to each other than with what's important and what's going on on the inside in our hearts. We try to be shiny. I mean, it's church, right? It's Sunday. Look at me, you guys. I, I'm wearing a suit. Look at my bow tie. I'm wearing this to impress you guys. Okay, maybe I'm wearing it for God a little bit too, but it doesn't, there's nothing I could wear to change God's impression of me, right? But it definitely changes your impression of me. And your impression of me affects how I feel. And in some cases, it completely controls my identity, my security. So then I end up giving it power. I give power of my identity over to your impression of me, to my appearance, and I end up taking care of something that's going to be here today and gone tomorrow, and you ultimately start neglecting the eternal, your soul. 
Jesus says in Matthew 23, 25 through 28, Woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites. You wash the outside of the cup and dish, and the inside is filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. Wash the inside, then too the outside will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, beautiful to look at from the outside, but inside, home to bones of the dead and all things unclean. In the same way, on the outside, to people you appear righteous, and on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Zacchaeus didn't care about being shiny anymore. He was honest about what was on the inside. That's what Sam and Noah just did up here, you guys, and it's difficult to do that. One way we can clearly see that Zacchaeus was changed was that his faith was made apparent by his works. I want to briefly emphasize what one of the commentaries says, that Zacchaeus didn't for a second think that he was justified by his works the way the Pharisees would boast about the things they did. But rather, Zacchaeus tried to, by his works and by God's grace, give evidence of the sincerity of his faith and the sincerity of his repentance. Now, I want you to think for a moment about how incredible it was what Zacchaeus actually did, but also how almost absurdly impossible that would be to do what he had. He confronted his own shortcomings, right? But then he goes a step further and voluntarily says, I will pay back four times everything I owe. In Exodus, that was the law set aside for what a thief had to pay back if he was caught stealing, okay? Can you think about it? Can you imagine trying to do that? Can you imagine wanting to do that? First of all, if you tried to make a list of all your sins, you'd forget. You don't know all the things you've done wrong. It's impossible. Second, try to Try to picture paying back everything times four. Teacher, I, um, I cheated on a test. I'd like to take four makeup exams to uh, make this right. Honey, I'm sorry I spoke to you in anger last night. I've written four love songs about all the ways I can love you better. It would take forever. It's impossible. Thank God paying back sins times four isn't one of the Ten Commandments. But... As Christians, we are called to be genuine, to be honest, to be real with one another. That's my challenge for us today. That's my challenge for myself, you guys, not just for you guys, for me. To stop trying to impress one another with the outward appearance and to focus on what's on the inside, deal with our problems so that we can change, we can grow. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We all know that. So why do we need to pretend to be perfect? I know my shortcomings, and I can be honest about my shortcomings because Jesus already knows everything I've done wrong. This is who I am. I'm a sinner. I'm not shiny. I don't look nice on the inside the way I try to look on the outside. But God knows that. And if I can be honest with him about who I am, then I should be honest with my fellow Christians about who I am. The humiliation, the guilt, the shame that we try to avoid by hiding what's on the inside, that's unnecessary. Let me give you guys an example. There's a water bearer, and he would walk to and from a stream every day. We can go to the next picture for this one. And he would have a pole and two pots on the end of the pole. 
And it was a long path to and from the stream. And he'd bring water back to his home. The first pot was whole, complete. Could carry a full load of water each trip. The second pot had a crack in it. And as they walked the journey back to the home, it would spill water out so that when they got back, the pot could only carry half a load of water. So every day for two years, the water bearer walked to the stream, collected water, walked back to his home carrying a load and a half of water. Now, the first pot was very proud of his accomplishments. Naturally, he was doing what he was supposed to do. The broken pot was ashamed, felt miserable, felt like a failure. And so finally, after two years, one day by the stream, the broken pot said to the water bearer, I want to apologize to you. I'm so sorry. I'm broken. I can't do what I'm supposed to do. The water bearer turned to the pot and he said, why are you apologizing? Why are you saying sorry to me? And the broken pot said, don't you know I have these flaws? Because of my flaws, you have to do all this extra work. You can't even receive the full value of your efforts. The water bearer had compassion on the broken pot, and he said, as we journey back to the house, I want you to look along the path at the beautiful flowers. So as they journey back, sure enough, the broken pot noticed these beautiful wildflowers growing, and it cheered him up. But as soon as they got back to the house and he was emptied out with just half a load of water, he was again reminded of his failure and filled with shame, and he again apologized to the water bearer. And this time, the water bearer turned to him and said, did you not notice the beautiful flowers on the path were only on your side of the road and not on the side of the other pot? I've always known of your flaws, and I've used them for my design and for my good. I planted seeds along your side of the path, and every day for the past two years as we walk along this path, you've watered those seeds. So now because of your flaws, we have these beautiful flowers, and I can pick them and bring that beauty into my home and my table and lay it out. Because of your flaws... We have that. Without your flaws, we wouldn't have this beauty to bring me joy. We all have flaws, you guys. We're, we all have brokenness. We are all cracked. We don't need to pretend to be perfect, but at the same time, we don't need to be ashamed of our weaknesses because as I love to say and I will always joyfully proclaim in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, he says, and he said unto me, my grace, it's sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Then I am content with all difficulties, distresses, insults, weaknesses, and persecutions for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You guys, when we're weak, we're strong with Christ in us. His grace, his power is perfected in us. In our weakness. It's not easy to be honest about what's on the inside. That's why change hurts. We can go to the next slide for this one. You know what baptism actually symbolizes? Death of the old self by drowning it. That's painful. But as Rick so beautifully reminds us, of, reminds us of time and time again, nothing can come in contact with the love of Jesus Christ and stay the same. So we have to change, you guys. But the good news, the good news for anybody who's scared of change, naturally scared of change, is that just as those who were baptized today come out of the water leaving their old selves behind, when you are changed, you're not just different, you're better. And most importantly, you're not clothed anymore in sin. 
You're clothed now in Christ. And as he washes you white as snow, you're clothed in Christ. And I want to leave you guys with this verse. Galatians 3.27 says, For all of you who are baptized into Christ have now clothed yourselves with Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for inviting us to go on this journey with you. We're scared of change, but give us the courage to embrace it. And we thank you for everybody who made that decision today to be baptized. We love you and we thank you for first loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.